Welcome to Evangel Scotch Plains, and welcome to those of you that are joining us online. And a special welcome to those of you watching from Evangel Woodbridge. I'm so excited to uh, be sharing with you from here in Evangel Scotch Plains. Let's give everyone a warm welcome. I miss you all, and uh, I'm looking forward to being back with you. And I'm sure that uh, your, the presence of the Lord is moving in uh, Evangel Woodbridge right now as well. You know, uh, we're excited because uh, Evangel Woodbridge uh, this week is just about three months old. It's, it's still so young, and God has been doing some amazing things there. You know, uh, not too long ago, and again, you know, before I go into that, uh, I want to thank those of you who have been praying, and uh, some of you have been visiting and encouraging us. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Not too long ago, um, you know, I was able to pray with someone at Evangel Woodbridge, and uh, they were going into a doctor's appointment, and uh, they came back to tell me how they'd gone to the doctor to get uh, their uh, skin checked because of some skin cancer that is very resistant to treatment, and uh, the doctor was looking for it and couldn't find it, and they, they had, the doctor was asking them, uh, could you tell me where it is? And she had to show a, a picture to prove that it was there at one point, <laughs> it wasn't there anymore. Praise God. And, uh, you know, we have such an incredible group of people that are at Evangel Woodbridge. Uh, you know, one of our, um, so we had some students that actually took some of, uh, some of our invitations to head down their street and to invite friends and neighbors. And one of those students, as they were sitting in service uh, a couple of weeks ago, realized that they were actually sitting next to someone that they had invited. Uh, <laughs> how amazing is that? Uh, we just keep seeing... God do some amazing things at Evangel Bridge. I'm really excited about what, what the Lord is doing uh, in that region. And would you continue to pray? Uh, would you continue to believe that God will keep uh, doing some amazing things? And listen, uh, you're always welcome to visit. We are one church in multiple locations. Uh, we are the same family. So please do come over, visit. And it's always an encouragement for us. You know, uh, we had an incredible uh, VBS here at Evangel Scotch Plains. Uh, this past uh, past week or so, and we are now getting ready to do the same incredible VBS at Evangel Woodbridge for the first time, and uh, we have an incredible team of volunteers that are also getting ready to uh, be a part of that. We're excited because, you know, with VBS Vacation Bible School, we get to see the lives of children impacted and their whole families impacted as a result, so it's such a, a vital an important outreach. And if you know of a family in the area, be sure to let them know that there's such an opportunity in the, in the area right now in the Woodbridge Edison uh, region. And it's by Garden State, Garden State Parkway, so anybody that lives along the parkway can get there pretty quickly. Uh, also, uh, as a follow-up to that, we have a community barbecue. It's an outreach uh, to the community. It's basically letting everyone know, listen, even if you're not comfortable walking into church building, you're welcome to come and celebrate with us. We're going to be doing this uh, thing. We're going all out, face painting, uh, ice cream, uh, uh, free food, and activities for kids and, and families. So very excited. It's going to be this uh, Saturday, July 17th. Please be praying for that. And at the same time, if you would love to be a part of that, you can text the word BBQ right now. You can participate by being part of the serving team over there. Uh, one of the teams that are either welcoming people or making sure that people experience the love of Jesus as they walk in. Uh, or you can bring someone with you from the region and let them know that, uh, hey, this is what people from Evangel are like. Uh, 
Uh, we want them to experience the love of Jesus. That's the, that's the bottom line. We want people to know that when they experience Jesus, things will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, um, uh, I can't wait to see what God is going to be doing through Evangel Church in the Woodbridge region. And again, being that we're one church, multiple locations, whether you're online, here at Scotch Plains, you're welcome to come and visit with us at any time. Before we get into God's word today, let's pray. Because we need our hearts ready. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you prepare my heart to receive your word. Thank you, Lord, that you enable me to hear your voice. Help me to hear what I need to hear. Challenge me and stretch me, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to read from a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. It's the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. And it reads like this. So we are always confident. Everyone say confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by believing and not by seeing. Would you say that phrase? By believing and not by seeing. Come on, Woodbridge, those of you online, type it in chat. By believing and not by seeing. So we are always confident. Paul, the author of this pastor scripture, writing to a church, is reminding them, even in times of persecution and struggle that that church had been experiencing, even in those seasons, you can still be confident. Listen, your earthly body may go through things. Your earthly home may go through things. You may face some trials and challenges. But remember that this life is not all that we have. We're living towards eternity. And we're only truly home when we're with Jesus. And if you're hearing me right now, you're probably alive. So I want you to know what Paul wanted the church to know. You can be confident. You have a reason for confidence that only followers of Jesus have. The follower of Jesus can live confidently because we are called to live by believing and not by seeing. Let me share with you the story of someone who lived with that kind of confidence. Halda Buntain was a child of missionaries from Canada. And after being with, the, with them, with her parents on the field, she decided that she never wanted to have any part of missions. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely adamant. But God worked on her heart, turned things around in her life, and brought a man in her life called Mark Buntain, who was an evangelist. And... As uh, she, as they married, they felt the call together to go into ministry, and they were traveling. And at one point, uh, there was this call to go into Calcutta, India, for a year-long assignment. And Mark Buntain and uh, Hulda, they prayed, and they decided, yes, that was for us. They packed their bags. They got on a ship. They traveled for three months and disembarked into Calcutta, India. And at the end of that year, they realized that 
they did not feel like God's call on their life was complete. And they felt the call to start something afresh to help the community that they were in. It was a, a community stricken with incredible poverty. There were either people who were incredibly, incredibly wealthy or incredibly poor. And they felt the call to stay there. You know, they could have left Calcutta after that one-year assignment, returned back to North America, and people would have said that they were successful because they had completed their assignment and that they had this under their belt, this experience under their belt. But this couple, they were not satisfied with being successful. They wanted to do something that honored God's heart and the burden that God had placed in their life, with their lives. God, what is this burden that you are burning in our hearts right now? How should we respond? And instead of choosing success, they chose something that is even greater than success. They chose to do something significant. It took them nine years. And then they launched a school for 200 kids with a feeding program in 1964. Many years later, as their ministry grew and it continued to make a significant impact, unfortunately, tragedy struck, and Mark, her husband, suddenly passed away. And at his funeral, 20,000 people showed up. I don't think there's any funeral home that can contain that group. 20,000 people showed up at Mark Bentain's funeral because here is a couple that chose to not stop at being successful, but rather live a life of significance. And that impact was visibly present at that funeral. Now, Halda faced a decision again, whether to continue or not. They'd already been on the field for 37 years at this point. They had made a, an incredible impact, obviously. The ministry had grown. She was already in her 60s. She was a widow. She could return to North America. She'd be considered a senior citizen. She could retire. But she decided, even if people might consider me a success and a hero of the faith in North America, I want to choose something that is bigger than success here. The call is not done. There is more significance to move towards. Praise God. And she had to choose again to live a life of significance rather than move towards what was successful. And she had to learn how to do it all without her husband of many years by her side. And there was more impact to be made. You know what happened? Halda Bantain served for another 32 years into her 90s. And in fact, she was able to speak here at Evangel uh, a few, just a few years ago. Halda went to be with Jesus just under two weeks ago. Now this Wednesday night, we'll be having our prayer night online only. I'm looking forward to joining joining with you online as we share the last sermon that Halda shared here at Evangel. And I know that you're going to be impacted and blessed by it. Let me tell you 
about the significant impact that Halda Bantain left behind. Calcutta Mercy, that the, the organization that she and her husband founded, uh, now continues to move and minister among people. Six days a week, 11,000 people are receiving a hot meal. 32,000 kids are continued to be supported in schools. They have a 173-bed hospital. They've been doing pop-up clinics in rural communities where otherwise there is absolutely no other medical care option. And they also have hundreds of churches in North India. Praise God. Come on, let's celebrate that. Hallelujah. What could happen if we don't settle for success and keep going beyond it towards significance? What could God do with that? Hallelujah. You know, we're so glad we can partner with such an incredible project because uh, not too long ago, Evangel Church was able to give a gift. Uh, you, you and I, we joined together. We partnered with what God is doing through Kingdom Builders and we were able to bless uh, Calcutta Mercy with a gift of $60,000. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that was such a blessing to them in the middle of the pandemic. That's exactly what they needed to continue to move the mission forward. And they are moving forward. Praise God. Now, everybody wants to be a success. Is there anybody here? I do not want to be a success. Anybody in Woodbridge? Anybody online? Let us know. Prayer teams are standing by. Listen, everybody wants to be a success. Quickly, uh, I did a quick search on Amazon and found that there's about, about uh, 60,000 books or ebooks on success alone. The ones that are four star and about, you know how you check those ratings? 60,000 of them. There's a lot of people talking about success. There's a lot of information about success. But I'm here to remind you today that success is not enough. You and I are called to be significant. Everyone say that with me, significant. Come on, Wilbridge, say that out loud, significant. Praise God. Significance does not start with us. Significance starts from God. Significance starts from God. There was a, a man that God calls to serve him, and God had to remind him that he was significant, but not because he is special. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it reads like this. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. See, it's, it's easy to, easier to aim at success, but significance decides that success is not enough. It's not enough. How do we identify success? We often observe, often with our eyes. We observe wealth. We observe prosperity. We observe a person's growth in fame or status. We observe their power. We observe that they're grown in their possessions or their capacity to influence. We observe their appearance of having everything put together in their life, seemingly. Maybe on social media, you're following somebody and you're uh, aspiring to be like them because everything in their life seems to be so put together. Success often involves striving by definition, doesn't it? 
It's not a bad thing. We do a lot of things to be successful. Good things. We work on improving ourselves. We study. We learn from others. We try and learn from history. We try to be good stewards of the things that God has placed in our lives. These are all good things. But significance is still not the same thing as success. Jeremiah 1 verse 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, I thought of you before the cells were coming together forming you in your mother's womb. Before you had eyes to even see or the, even the perception of what could be eyes in the womb, I could see the significance in you. Jeremiah, I am significant. God is reminding Jeremiah that he is the most significant being in the world. And he sees Jeremiah as significant. Jeremiah's significance comes from God. I want you to know today, significance comes from God. If you and I could accomplish significance, we would do it. But I want you to realize today that you are significant and not because of what you can do. It's because of who God is. If you're created in his image, you are significant. Praise God. And some of you might respond, well, that, that call is just for Jeremiah. Listen, maybe you're not called to be a prophet to the nations, but you have a call. You have a purpose. You have a significance. You don't have to be Jeremiah. The world tells you that you and I, uh, we need to be successful. But let me remind you today that there's something bigger than success, something that's over it, and that's significance. And we are called to live significantly. But we also need to keep in mind that significance requires decisions that outlive us. Significance requires decisions that outlive us. You know, around uh, 600 B.C., the nation of Israel was attacked and ransacked by the Babylonian Empire. And the Babylonian Empire, uh, they would set these parameters. They would go into different uh, civilizations that they would capture and enslave. And they would take people of nobility and learning from those different civilizations and try to make them more Babylonian in culture so that they would be the future leaders of those different regions and even the Babylonian Empire. It was such a grand vision. And this is how uh, the king of Babylon gives this instruction. It's in Daniel chapter 1 verse 4. It reads like this. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. These are people that would show up on GQ magazine and, uh, you know. And say, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment. They're smart. They're good-looking. And they're suited to serve in the royal palace. So they need to from, be from a nobility background. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Listen, even five-star food is not good enough for them. They're going to be eating from the king's kitchens themselves itself. And so we see there's this uh, such an incredible 
even successful looking environment that these young men are walking into. They were already aiming for success before they even got into the situation. And now here's an opportunity, opportunity for them to be even more successful. And their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These four men, Daniel is the name of the book that we just read from, and these three other men, Daniel's friends. They were uprooted from everything they were familiar with. They were forced into a cultural setting that was very uncomfortable. They were forced to learn the different religious uh, and cultural practices of the day. They were required to learn the language. And you know what? If that was not enough, their names, Daniel, Azariah, Hananiah, these, these names, all Jewish names, they all have a reference or a meaning that points back to the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. And they are stripped of that too. The name is taken away and they're given new Babylonian names. And the Babylonian names refer to the various gods. There are multiple gods in Babylon. They're given new names and all those names have reference to one of the gods of Babylon. Starting from Daniel all the way into his three friends. And that's why Daniel is actually called Belteshazzar. And then his three friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. All Babylonian names with references to the Babylonian gods. And the king wanted to train these, uh, these men up to be uh, leaders in the future of Babylon. But there was a, a clash, something that they ran into. It started with something very little, something so simple to you and I. But it violated their beliefs. Because here was Daniel and his friends. They're about to eat from the king's kitchen. Some of the best, you know, uh, amazing cuisine of Babylon. And they realized, you know, this food is actually being offered to the gods of Babylon first. Before it's being served to them. And we can't do that. It was against their conscience because their practices as, as the followers of the God of Israel, we cannot per, uh, participate in eating food offered to idols. And uh, Daniel was determined. This is what verse 8 in that chapter says. Daniel was determined to not, defile, not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. He does it very respectfully. Could we not eat these foods? And uh, here's a situation where they are now asking for permission. They receive the permission. They're tested for 10 days. The four men are tested for 10 days on a different diet altogether. And at the end of 10 days, the person examining them comes and realizes visually they are physically healthier than all the other candidates. They're all a lot of competitors. Remember, this is a ladder of success. There's a lot of competitors, and visually these men look healthier than all these other competitors, so he allowed them to continue with this diet. Listen, I know it seems like such a small decision, but your decision to pursue God sometimes may go against the, the grind of the world because the, girl, the, the world is looking for you and I to strive towards success, but sometimes it goes in the opposite direction of striving after God. What are you striving for? Strive after God. Your decision to pursue significance 
for God will involve a lot of smaller decisions along the way that might seem frivolous or petty, but they make total sense when you strive after God. Today, you and I need to decide, I need to live to make decisions that will outlive me. Hulda's decision to be significant has outlived her already. How is the Lord challenging you and I today? Success looks at numbers. Significance looks at eternity. And just like Hulda, just like these young men in Babylon, every step of the way, you and I will be challenged to grow in courage as we strive for God. Let's grab a hold of that. Because significance requires courage. Significance requires courage. Now, success also requires courage. It involves risk-taking. It involves a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, a Forbes magazine article uh, that I read talked about how uh, you need to be an optimist to make it in the business field. You know, you may have to take some risks and then be optimistic. Even if everything is going downhill, be optimistic. You know, fake it until you make it. That's what, it, that's what the article really says. Until you can be successful, just be optimistic that you will work, that it will come to a, a place of profit. It involves a lot of striving as well. You can look at budgets and income, and you can measure whether you are being successful or not. But when you are talking about significance, yes, significance requires courage also, but you can't use the same tools to measure. You can't look at profit margins, and you can't measure the, the, whether significance is enough. Because the, the Buntains knew, Halder Buntain and Mark Buntain knew that staying on in Calcutta was a risk. They were stepping into the unknown. They knew that they would, be, uh, they would have to make uh, a, 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 give an explanation to all the people that are supporting them. This is why we're staying on. They knew that they were taking on a risk. It's hard to measure that. There's no profit behind that. Halda Buntain later was a widow. She was a senior. And she's facing the decision, do I learn how to do this on my own? Do I learn how to lead? Should I continue in Calcutta? Everyone is expecting me and this was the norm. People were saying to her, now you deserve a break. Why don't you take a break? You can return to North America. She knew that she'd been serving for 37 years. But God was not calling her to be successful. God was calling her to be significant. Come on, church. Even for Daniel and the three men, the three men with him some years later, again, they, they've been received in the royal service. These, these folks are succeeding. They are successful. They're growing in their field. They're received. But their peers know that there's something off about these guys. They don't serve the Babylonian gods, even with their Babylonian names. And there was a point in time where King Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, the king of the Babylonian empire, he uh, agrees to this idea that he is now to be worshipped as one of the Babylonian gods. And a, a gold statue is built in his image and is placed in a very public location. And anyone that is going by there has to bow down before it. And so uh, now you have the Babylonian gods are there to worship as well as this other god. 
And if anyone does not bow down to that gold statue, they will be thrown into a furnace of fire and made a public example. Well, somebody told on these three men. Somebody told the king, listen, King Nebuchadnezzar, those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are not bowing down to your statue. And he calls on them. Remember? What do their names mean? All their names have a reference to a god, small g god of Babylon. And the king, this is how the Bible actually says it. The king says it like this. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. There's irony in the sentence. There's a lot of humor in the Bible if you read carefully. There's irony in the sentence. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Is it true that you will not worship the gods of Babylon? He's reminding them, your names actually have the names of the gods of Babylon. Is it true that you're not going to worship the gods of Babylon or that you won't bow before the statue? And they said, no. I mean, yes, it is true. This is how he he says it, actually. Um, O Nebuchadnezzar, this is in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Come on, somebody. Does that take guts or what? Is that courageous? We do not need to defend ourselves before you. I'm going to invite the worship team up here. See, sometimes when you pursue success, someone's going to tell you that you will have to compromise to be successful. But I want you to know today, you will never have to compromise to be significant. You will never have to compromise to be significant. How do the three men being questioned by the king of Babylon, being reminded of their names, respond? It's in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. The three men respond, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. You notice the number of times they say your majesty in there? (laughs) Listen, king, with all due respect, we're not going to serve these gods. We're not going to bow down. Our God can deliver us. But they know they might not be delivered. But it does not change the conviction that they have. Because they were not living for success in the first place. They were already successful. But they were living for significance. Their hope was not in success. Their hope is in the significance that's in eternity. And they've decided ahead of time, whatever the outcome of the Babylonian king's judgment, we know who our God is and we're going to live courageously. 2 Corinthians 5 or 7, the scripture we started off with today. For we live by believing and not by seeing. For we live by believing and not by seeing. 
for the three men we haven't seen eternity yet but we know the god who is in charge of eternity and we're going to live in such a way that is significant towards that eternity for daniel and the three men they knew they were successful they did not need the king's help to be successful but they didn't serve the king they served the god of heaven the god who gave them the significance in the first place their servanthood before god comes first their servanthood before god comes first see success involves striving but significance involves serving when jesus was addressing some competitiveness among his own disciples uh, yeah jesus disciples had some competitiveness they they got jealous anybody here get jealous anybody at woodbridge anybody online in overflow and jesus you know he has a talk with them he uh, i'm picturing like this when i read this passage he he sits down and he's like have a seat over here we need to have a talk this is mark chapter 9 verse 35 he sat down called the 12 disciples over to him and said i just love the fact that he says he sat down listen there's a lot of humor in the bible <laughs> he sat down called the 12 disciples over to him and said whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Success comes through striving and there's nothing wrong with striving. There's nothing wrong with being becoming successful, but significance comes through serving. You and I we have to go beyond the success, go over success and go all the way to significance. We can't settle for significance. Even even success in ministry can be tempting. but Jesus is calling us to be significant with a heart of servanthood what does it mean to serve god to strive after god the world admires the most successful people but we're called to live significant lives with the heart of a servant listen maybe god is calling you to be a missionary like the buntins Maybe God is calling you to be an incredible influence in a very hostile environment like Daniel and his friends. Or God is challenging you at this stage of your life. You've already decided I've already gone through a lot and I've I'm done. And God is telling you who are you living for? Who are you living for? You're striving for the wrong thing. Strive after me. God is reminding you. Strive after him. Who do you serve? Let's rise to our feet right now. Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you speak into our midst right now? Hallelujah. God has called you and I to live with great significance. to strive after him to live in a way 
where our decisions to serve outlive us. The impact of our decisions continue to live beyond us. We may never even fully measure our significance. But Jesus is calling you and I step beyond the success and into significance. Today, I want to challenge you right now. Here's a way for you to make an impact here at Evangel Church. You can serve. You can reflect the heart of servanthood. You can be on our teams. You can impact lives right here at Evangel. You can start by texting the word serve to our text number 908-325-5163. Right now, I want to challenge you to take that step of faith right where you are. Whether you're online here in, uh, in, in Woodbridge or here at Scotch Plains or in our overflow, I want to challenge you to take that step right now. God can use you to make an impact that outlives you. That is hard to measure. It's beyond the bottom line. Praise God. I want to make a second invitation today. It's this. You've been striving after success. You've been pushing and going after it with all your heart. Maybe you've been winning. Maybe you are successful. Maybe you have achieved everything that you hope to achieve. But you're realizing today, it's not enough. It's not striving after God. I want to challenge you to come up and let's, let's get praying right now. Come to the altar. I want to invite you. Those in Woodbridge, come to the altar space right there. Those in Overflow, come to your altar space. And maybe you're pursuing success and it's eluding you. And you realize you've spent so much time. You've spent so much energy to the point of draining and you know that's not where your significance is. Today is for you as well. Listen, the altar is open. Let's go after God right now. Our prayer team will come forward and pray with you right now, right where you are. Let's go after God. Let's worship. Father, we come to your presence in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you work in our in our midst right now in the name of Jesus you know our heart and Lord if you need to do heart surgery would you do it right now Lord we are leaning towards striving after things that the world values things that we can see that we can measure with our eyes but you are calling us to believe after you and to strive after God to serve towards significance. God, today, I surrender, oh God. I lay myself before you, oh God. Lord, my pursue, my strive, striving after you, oh God, let it outlive me. Let it outlive me. Come on. Let's go after God right now. The altars are open.